Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Holland, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, TNT, NBA TV, you name it. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at Ryan Hollins. I don't even talk about my Instagram account anymore. It's slowly rising, but at a point, I just am not committing enough time to it. So if you want to get check me out on, on Instagram, you can find me. I'm not even going to go there. I feel as if we should be playing some funeral music, Ryan. I was at game five. And I was in the locker room after game five. And the Golden State Warriors won. Oracle Arena was lit in a way that I haven't heard in a long time. The fear that Kevin Durant had suffered an Achilles tear uh, turned into a reported calf strain. And yet I will tell you that the mood in the locker room afterward was not one of everybody wiping their brow because they just dodged a Matrix bullet. It wasn't Keanu Reeves. This was, man, the ending is coming up on us a lot faster than we expected. From your standpoint, as you watched the proceedings last night, what was your takeaway? I see the sacrifice from Steph Curry. I see that when Kevin Durant's out there, he's not as good as he can be. And the guy has to complain one one time, not one time. A lot of analysts are very critical of him. A lot of fans are. A lot of people are taken away from him. A lot of people were critical and, of him, like halfway through that game last night. Yep, and in this in the series prior, and last night he showed you that, dude, I'm sacrificing my game. I am sacrificing my game. Okay, there's nothing more. Then I'm literally sacrificing my game for the greater good. 
Okay, that's what he showed you because he he came out and he took over. He yeah. absolutely took over. And Golden State, they played better. Like the ball popped, the ball moved. Like that looked like what we knew, what we remembered of Golden State. Yeah. And Kevin Durant is oddly enough, he's like he's the best good bad thing because he's so good, but he kind of he gets in the way. Like he's so dominant, you've got to go to him, yes. and he's an incre- extremely efficient scorer. But instead of Steph looking for his shot first, he's looking for Durant, and it takes away. He's so good, you can't resist using him. And yet, for what the Warriors are, it has to be like a precise balance. And it easily gets out of whack. KD is just, he, it's, it's going to sound weird, but he wasn't built for the Warriors. He's not built for the Warriors. Which may be why him wanting to go elsewhere is that he recognizes that too. Like, this isn't, we've accomplished great things. But this isn't a perfect marriage. So, when I look at that, my thought is, yes, you're right. If anybody demonstrated at the end of that game that they have the heart of a champion, it was Steph Curry. Because he was struggling. He was missing shots. He was he was missing shots badly. He was missing layups. People were talking about how it was in his head. And maybe it was. But when it came to actually winning the game, Steph Curry had the fortitude to put all that out of his head and make the plays that needed to be made. Now, the interesting dynamic, and we are recording this the morning after Game 5. So, the MRI on Kevin Durant has not been taken, and we don't know exactly what the extent of the injury is. You've got a little more experience at this, but I I told people last night, and I'll say it today, a calf strain is not an Achilles tear. But I don't see any way in which he plays in the next two games in the series. Calf strain or no. You're absolutely right. You're playing without him. And this has been the drum that I have beaten all year long, which is that it's going to be a battle of attrition. That asking the same horses to ride you to the finish line a fifth time KD accepted. He's trying to get there. He was trying to get there the third time. The physical, the human body just wasn't made to play as many games at the level that the Warriors are asking them to play over this period of time. So what's happening is what I sadly I expected to happen, which is that they're breaking down physically. We saw it at the end of last year. And with how heavily they were riding their first five, and how much Sean Livingston has struggled, I don't see any way, even not having a whole lot of faith in the Rockets, I don't see any way in which the Warriors win these next two games. I, I do. You got to understand with the Warriors, Rick, I, I, you know, in, include KD or don't include KD, forget basketball players. Those dudes are, are some of the greatest competitors. Competitors. Yep. What I mean by competitors when I was in Charlotte and Michael was was the owner, president, whatever you'd want to call him, he's so competitive. He'd be playing guys one-on-one to practice, his rules. He would he would just make up bets on the fly. He could not turn it off. And he would go until he won or he embarrassed you. Kobe Bryant, 
the game would be clearly out of hand. And Kobe Bryant has willed his way. And there, there's certain guys just competitively, they have a motor that goes beyond friends, beyond family, beyond anything a coach can say. And they go out and find ways. They never give up. Golden State has those guys. Whatever you want to say about Draymond Green, he's an elite competitor. 100%. The guy's motor is there. That's why I still favor that team. You have other guys trying to keep, oh, Golden State, they shoot, they shoot, they shoot. Dude, they compete, yes. bro. Yes. Well, and what you saw with Draymond Green in particular, hitting a huge three at the end of the game. By the way, t- shout out to my guy, Doc Shepler. You'll be seeing shout me out. doing a story about him. He's a local high school legend. I took him to a game the other day in part because of a story that I want to do about him. I introduced him. So people who may not know the story, Doc had never met Draymond, but Doc is a local legend. When I went to see, he coaches a girls varsity high school team at a school of 200. They've gone to the state finals in the open division two years in a row. Now they've lost to, it might have been Sierra Canyon the last two years, but they are Amazing, And if you go and you watch their practices, you'll know why they're as good as they are. For full disclosure, my daughter's been working with him and my son has worked with him as a, as a shooting coach. So, uh, but I, that, that to me only informs knowing how good he is. All that said, he knew what was wrong with Draymond's shot and he sent Draymond some video clips. And Draymond said to me, I said, because he, he shouted out Doc at one point during the postseason. Wow. And Draymond told me, he goes, Doc helped me just by sending me some video clips. And Doc's the kind of guy, like, he sent, he texted Draymond like four or five times and Draymond never responded. And then he took Doc's advice and he texted him back. He was like, dude, you just helped me by the videos you sent me and by a couple things you said. So Draymond's planning on working with him this summer. Uh, but wow. That is, that's if, if you're looking for someone to credit other than the guts of Draymond Green for taking that big three at the end oh. and making it, Doc Shepler, Doc Shepler, I don't know that he gets a ring but he, <laughs> if they end up winning, but he gets like, I don't know, he gets a, 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 a plaque, he gets a diploma, he gets Rick, a... That was the biggest shot of... Like, like, kind of like, if you look back at a championship, the yeah. champ, like that shot, yeah, may have been the shot, because Houston was storming back. Draymond Green just got a technical, and everybody's saying in their mind, "You lose this deal by one." Right, Draymond, that's your butt, bro. Yep, yep. that's your butt, and he just fires off. And I, I can, let me ask you, what was the crowd like when he took that shot, as it's in the air? Oh, there's always there's always apprehension, always oh, apprehension. The, oh the in fact, it's kind of anticipation. I hope somebody gets the rebound. I hope we don't, <laughs> right? Oh. I hope it doesn't. I hope he doesn't Jarepko it and put it off the side of the of the backboard. Oh. Which, by oh. the way, by the way, I, there was that was feast or famine. Like when Jarepko first came in oh, to start God. the fourth quarter, and he hits a corner three. Everybody was like, oh. Maybe the white KD is gonna, he's gonna make it happen. Like, maybe he's gonna have another one of those. And then it was just steadily downhill from there. Uh, yeah. But that's what gets to my other point. 
is I understand that those guys are competitors. And I understand that Chris Paul, let's take a moment. I've never seen a guy fall off this dramatically, especially a guy with his experience playing in the postseason. Everybody's banged up at this point physically. But mentally, you can usually find a way to get some some things done. Chris Paul, I saw him matched up against Kavon Looney and the aforementioned Jarepko. And he's not, he can't go by anybody. Like, he could at least create and have confidence in that little mid-range. He's not even looking for that or taking that or setting that up. He's not able to get the, the airspace to get that off. I, I just, I don't want to overreact. I, I keep waiting because he's not hurt as far as we know. I keep waiting for some sign of the old Chris Paul, and I haven't seen a glimpse of it. And there's been times where the moment the moment called for the old Chris Paul. Well, Rick, you're a little late to the party, man. I, I've been preaching this. I've been I screaming know, this for I a while, too, man. And I've heard you, but to this <laughs> level? I mean, to this level, he's not giving them anything. Like, defensively is probably the only thing. His post-defense might be the biggest contribution that he's made. Chris has been that way since we were with the Clippers. He's been that way Well, he disguised it a lot better than this. You, yeah. You, well, what, what I'm saying is, and then he kind of, he to me, last year was the last peak that he had. Hmm. But if you go back even more, when he tore his knee up in New Orleans, yes. he was never the same. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I agree 100%. And I've said that without question. He couldn't finish at the rim after that. But he had enough chutzpah. Uh, he had enough know-how to be able to still find ways to get shots. It was a pivot and a spin. It was a fade. It was the pull-up mid-range. He can't get anything done right now, which is why I guess I, I should take back the idea that the that the Warriors can't win another game because it's just and James Harden and P.J. Tucker. And, and the Rockets are most equipped to beat him, right? The Rockets are most equipped. So are you thinking the Warriors are still going to win a championship? I'm telling you that, yeah. No, uh, no. If they don't have Kevin Durant, there's no way that they're beating the Toronto Raptors. Mm, well, now, the only well, the Milwaukee the, Bucks again, and all my people in Milwaukee are going to hate me for this because they're better than I said they than I thought they were. Uh, I think the Boston Celtics had a lot to do with the way that series went, and if the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Toronto Raptors, I'm going to have to eat more humble pie. But I don't know that the Bucks have the wherewithal to beat the even this Warriors team, but I have a hard time seeing the Warriors beat the Toronto Raptors. The depth is just too great. Man, I, I mean, honestly, I, I agree with you. I, I've been against Milwaukee. I don't want to say against them, but I mean, not not necessarily champion. Yeah, I'm not championing championing the Milwaukee Bucks, and I haven't. Uh, they showed me something because I mean, it was like, yo, when did you get the Spurs George Hill back? Mm. <laughs> like it's not like this is some great dynamic it, player but he's dude he's making an impact and he's making an impact that's it that's a different dynamic than they've had because i wasn't relying on bledsoe and i think they said all right well bledsoe you know you just defend and be a an x-factor type of guy george hill played lead guard 
And then it was like, whoa, we're really good. And I'm expecting Bledsoe lead guard, Giannis, you know, lead forward. And you got two guys that, you know, at, at some point have to beat you from the outside. See, George Hill is knocking down that deep three, which spreads the offense out and chain gives a different dynamic to the offense. But if you're just relying on Bledsoe, there are inconsistencies there, but they got the best of both worlds between both of those guys, and then they just play hard as heck. So it's a different dynamic than, I, than I've seen, Rick. And, and George Hill playing at that level, yeah. he and Middleton give you enough of an outside creating and, and, and spacing. I'm, I'm not quite ready to make my take yet. Yeah, Middleton has been better too. And again, uh, you know, people in Milwaukee are going to be are, are going to be mad, but Boston didn't put a whole lot of pressure on them. That not the kind of pressure that they're going to see with Toronto. And yes, I'm assuming that Toronto is going to get past Philadelphia. You? I mean, you have any? I, yeah, any I agree. No, I, I no, I agree. Remember, they were my my dark horse to win a championship. It was Toronto. Speaking of Philadelphia, Toronto. are you with me? That they like how how dramatic of a change do you do believe they have to make or will make during this offseason? Well, they're going to have two big changes because potentially they lose Tobias and and Jimmy. So those are two free agents. So that's already a big, you know, a big hit. And then you lost the young talent you had, Rick. So let me throw this at you. You have Tobias, Jimmy, Embiid, and Ben Simmons. You can keep two of them. Who are the two that you would keep? Embiid really depends on his health mm-hmm. because if he's healthy, I, I, I ride him into the sunset. But if he's not healthy, I may have to make the I may have to Come make on, the GM. call that you I may have to make, make a call. call that, like, you make you know, a call. Like, I know something that you don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know something that you don't know that maybe the Porzingis to the Knicks, you know, Knicks move, just saying, hey, you can have him. It looks crazy right now, but you can have him while his value is high. Jimmy Butler would be my number one. I give him B just my number two because him playing at his best puts you over the top. And then my third, I'm still going to go Simmons just because. Interesting. Bro, if I can just figure out your jump shot, we got a chance. Like now I'm I'm rolling the dice. I'm going for the wild cards. I'm going for the unexpected. You know what I'm saying? I'm really surprised that Tobias is your fourth. Tobias is a, he's a, he's a compliment. He's he's one of the best compliments uh, in the NBA right now. I'm not using Tobias as a as a number one option. So See, now if I'm if I'm resting my my organization on that, he he's the third or fourth member of a championship squad. He's not the first member of that squad. But so, I want to make this all about Embiid because my guys my picks were Embiid and Tobias Harris, and I could and I, I could be convinced that I should take Jimmy Butler. But I really, if I'm going to go all in on Embiid, I'm going to take the guy who's the best player at his position. I know you always have to say when healthy, when available, and we always say availability is what? The best ability. That's right. Availability is the best ability, and he's struggling in that department. And he's got a 35-page contract because there are questions about that health. They were going for it now. If you want to know why they made the deal with the Clippers, it was because they're not, they don't know how long Joel Embiid is going to be, even the best version of Joel Embiid that we've seen to this point. 
But for me, it's I either got to ride with the guys that I I believe can get me there or not. And if I'm going, the, my problem with Jimmy is not his game. It's how he fits in that locker room and how his personality fits with MB. Like Jimmy Butler has to be the guy. And is he good enough to get me a championship if he's the guy? That's what I'm not convinced of. That's the the crux of the problem for me with Jimmy. Like, he's not good enough to have the attitude that he has. I love to have him. I love what he gives me. But, dude, could you just dial it down on the other end just a little bit? Just a little bit. You're not a number one on a championship team. You could be a great number two. I don't know if he knows that. Well, the interesting thing, Rick, you need three now. You know, it can't just be one. And I, I believe if Jimmy had another guy that's on his par, yeah, he wouldn't mind deferring. But when I'm looking at Ben Simmons, bro, and Tobias Harris, it's like, yo, like, give me the darn ball. Yeah. But if he's looking over at Kyrie Irving, he's looking over at Kevin Durant, like, work out, KD. See, you got to understand. Jimmy Butler was a role player a lot longer than he was a star. True. So he's incredibly effective playing off the ball. I remember Jimmy would come off the bench getting busy. So some guy's never been in that role, bro. I'm not saying he can't do it. I've never said that. I know what he's capable of, and I like him. I like him when he does take over at times. I'm never afraid of that. But, dude, be part of the team. Not everybody is like you and you can you can lead the way but if you're going to trash guys or abuse guys or ignore guys because they don't meet your standard that's not leadership i've been having this conversation i don't know if you listened to the podcast the last couple of days we had dan arlovsky the former that's nfl quarterback and that's my guy you don't need to explain dan to me okay because I heard him on ESPN radio on a Saturday. So I figured nobody was listening other than me. And there were questions that weren't asked of him when he brought up some subjects. But he talked about how young quarterbacks have to be the guy and a guy. And for our podcast listeners who've already heard this conversation, bear with me. I know you're hearing it probably for the, at least the third time me bring this subject up. But I think he, he, he crystallized it so well that you have to find a way to be the guy which Jimmy Butler now has. He knows how to be the guy. Get on my back, I'll get us there. But you also have to be a guy. You have to connect and relate to everybody in the locker room. And Jimmy makes no bones about, I'm not relating to you. You relate to me. And to be a truly great player, you have to do both. Circling back to Steph Curry. And the greatness of Steph Curry. Why, when the Oracle crowd last night chanted MVP for both Steph Curry and KD when they were at the free throw line, which is just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing from this standpoint. Show me a little creativity. Can you come up with something else? You can't have two MVPs. And somebody tweeted at me, well, what, they can't recognize that they've had, that they, they've got two former MVPs that are going through the line? And I'm like... Yeah, that's not that. That's not what that is. Uh, nobody's funny. nobody's historically chanting uh, MVPs funny. because 
that's become like the the fallback knee jerk reaction to a guy <laughs> who you want to uh, applaud, right? <laughs> Steph Curry, without question, and people have dismissed this. They dismissed it last night. Steph Curry didn't deserve. At one point, I saw this on Twitter too. Steph Curry doesn't deserve the MVP chance. He's not the MVP of that team. You have that so wrong. KD might be the best player on the team. He might be the most talented player on the team. Steph Curry, for a multitude of intangibles, is the MVP of that team because he has allowed KD to be KD, has not created a problem whatsoever, which has led the way with everybody else doing the same, finding a way to do the same. If Steph has an issue with it, that team is broken. If Steph doesn't handle it the way he did, that team is not having the success that it's had over the last two-plus years. He's the MVP. And of nah, that Rick, team, ain't no doubt about it. No, nah, Rick, I, I mean, I've been saying that. The one thing is just right now it's hard to push him into that role because he's not making the shots that he – he he made. He's not breaking down his guys one on one. He's got like a bad ankle and, and he's got a dislocated finger on no, his left hand. No, he, he he found a way. But I, I no his value. You you can't take anything away from his value. I just said it's hard to push. Um, that his shot percentage kind of ha- has fallen. But last night you really saw it. But his impact, literally, I don't care. He's the one guy you you cannot take off that roster, and they still win. Like if he goes down and Durant's still there. They don't win that game. I'm with you. They lose. I'm you know what I'm saying? I'm with you. And that's a big statement. Yep. I'm with you. I still, without KD, the fact that you're going to have to play Kevon Looney and Sean Livingston, big minutes, on top of having to play Andre Iguodala and Steph Curry, big minutes. I don't know how they get this done. Honestly, just – for all the competitive fire that they have. First of all, you don't think they're going down to Houston and winning game six, do you? This has got to be a game seven in, in Oracle. They've got to have the home crowd willing them there. There's no way they go to Houston and win game six, is there? Man, here, here's the element right now. They can, but the one thing that Houston lacked yesterday, and Houston has to do so much to beat Golden State, they didn't win that 50-50 battle uh, what I mean, the rebounds, the loose balls, the steals, the deflections. They didn't win that battle until the second half of the game. They woke up and was like, yo, this is it for us. And they went after it. Now, in Houston, I will credit you, Rick. They are going to go out and do such. Mm. They're going after the 50-50, the loose balls. And that's how they beat Golden State in games three and four. Right. So uh, there's a strong chance that Golden State loses that. But it won't be because of shooting. It will be because of that. And then one thing about Livingston, he's a guy who also suffers suffers because Kevin Durant's in the lineup. Why? The ball movement isn't there. Yeah. It, it, look, man, he gets a lot of touches when that thing pops around the horn. Why? He's a guy that they kind of don't guard. They don't guard him and Draymond, and then they're in that short roll, you know, kind of space where he'll duck in and get a little flash of the basket. Those plays don't come when KD has the ball. Those plays come when Steph has the ball. That's fair. Sean just looks like a shaken guy at this point. KD, no KD, every time he touches the ball. I saw him rise up at one point. He looked like the old Sean Livingston. Rose up for that mid-range jumper and nailed it. And it was after about two or three fumbles of the ball. 
The last thing I think of when I see Sean Livingston is not being shorthanded. Like that, he's usually got the ball on a string. Yeah, yeah. He has mishandled the ball more times. He did it last night more times than I can ever remember seeing him. And I, and I, I don't think it's physical. I think there's mental. And it may be to your point. Like he just hasn't played the same role. I don't know what it is, but he has not been the same Sean Livingston. And for me to believe that he's suddenly going to turn that around in 48 hours, which, by the way, we're now in this run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and you're playing Iguodala and Steph Curry and all these guys 40-plus minutes over that stretch. It's not at the offensive end that it worries me. It's defensively targeting Steph Curry for 40 minutes a night. Well, this I'm is, not this, surprised this is, that his but, shot's but Rick, off. This is what hurt him, though. You target me, but I don't get to come back at you. Right. So before it was always, all right, yeah. my three versus your two, my three versus your two, and then, you know, momentum kind of carries out. Now when you go out, Steph, he doesn't get to come back, and he's just like, dang. He's just like, dang. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's it's killing him. Yeah, and you don't, you don't get to make that guy work the way he just made you work. No, there's there's a lot of no, there's a lot of truth yeah. to that. But there's also just having to play that hard at both ends for that long, shooting from the range that Steph shoots from. It has to affect your legs. It has to affect your ability to get that shot there. So ultimately we will see how this goes. All right. The, actually this is this is my other fear, and we can talk about this further down the line. But what is it? Don't you need the Golden State Warriors in the finals? I mean, let's look at our other options. Denver? Excited about seeing Denver in the finals? It would have the only other team that would that would go, but you take a bit of a hit would be the Rockets. You take a hit, but it would have to be the Rockets. And it will be the Rockets. It, it ain't gonna be no Denver, no Portland. It, it, dude, you're watching the NBA finals right now. Enjoy it. <laughs> right? You're watching the finals now. I don't think you're giving the Raptors enough credit. I think maybe you're I mean, saying they were my, you're they watching were my the Western Conference. Pick. You're watching the Western Conference Finals right now. Yeah, they were they were my 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 dark horse pick. You know, a while ago, as far as coming out, even when Boston uh, was favored, I liked their personnel. Yeah. The one thing I really questioned with Toronto uh, is not their defense; it's their scoring. Rick, they go through these lulls offensively that you just cannot have against a Western Conference team, bro. But defensively, they're so good. Yeah, I think, but I, I, I think you, defensively you, they can create so many problems. What you got to realize is the Rockets and the Warriors are good on defense too. They're good on defense. We we just kind of write off the Warriors defensively, but they're incredibly good defensively. They, it, they just save it for the playoffs, bro. <laughs> they can be. I don't think that they've consistently been good through these playoffs. They can dial it up. When they need to, I just wonder whether they can dial it up for long enough. So, but that's been my skepticism all year. I believe that they're, the tank is, is hitting E and I don't know if they have enough to get to the finish line this year. That's been my mantra all year. I may end up proved wrong, but all of these physical hits that they're taking to me is a reflection. And I'll be very interested to see, cause I, uh, this is the thing. So I watched KD walk across the locker room barefooted. He initially went in, and he was examined, 
And then they brought him in again after he showered. And they were examining him again in the training room. And they closed the door. It was very hush-hush, very secretive. I had a source call me while this was all going down that said the Warriors, in spite of what they put out there as a report, were not convinced as of last night that it wasn't an Achilles. They were still wondering, waiting for the MRI because of the way that KD reacted and what he reached for. He he didn't reach for his calf. He reached for his ankle heel and the way he walked off. Now, I'm just relaying this. I'm not pretending to be a doctor here. I'm not pretending to know how people walk when they blow an Achilles. I can kind of imagine in my mind the difference in how I would walk if it was my Achilles versus my calf. But I, I just wonder if the Warriors put out what they put out last night because they didn't want to take the buzz or the energy out of the building and they didn't want to take the buzz or the energy out of their team. And so it was, let's find a way to get through this game just why, just because we started Hampton 5 in Game 5. Let's see if we can win this in or Game 4. Let's start the Hampton 5 and see if we can make this a short series. And that didn't work. And you could say, if indeed true, that they put out misinformation last night or they purposely downplayed the, the severity of the injury, we'll ultimately see if that pays off or that ends up being true. Wait, when you saw him, when you saw him walk off, what was your thought? Number one, dang, it's non-contact. When I he grabbed, yo, somebody hit me, yo, who hit me? Yes, you know what that I go is. Go Achilles. You know that's that's what that well, always that, is. Who who kicked me in the back of the yeah, heel? Yeah, yeah. The way he walked, I go, that didn't look like Achilles. The way he walked, but I can't rule it out. I cannot rule it out. Uh, the biggest reason it's hard for me to imagine KD with an Achilles. Uh, that's what I thought too. That's what I see too. He's he's not in the age range. Well, he's 30. He's, he's getting close to the age range uh, that you could, but he's thin. He's in shape. It didn't look wild. See, if I, I've had a calf strain before, and it's okay. a similar. I, I just went to step, and it go, oh, something something goes. If it's a calf strain, he could be back a lot sooner, but you've got to treat it in the white right. Yep. So what happens, Rick? You can stretch your calf as much as you want, right? Yep. But at some point, yep. you're just pulling on dead dead weight. Yep. If he's got in that calf, little little, how would I I explain this? Little tears, little little, no, not tears, knots. They're knots. Yep. Imagine like a knot of yarn, little trigger points. I've had them. But you've got to go in and you got to loosen those knots. Right. And then the the calf muscle will go back and it will expound. It will lengthen right now. So right now that thing is locked up. That thing is locked up. So it's imagine like a tight fist. You want that fist to release and then. That calf will actually be good. He, I mean, he could come back and play. I remember literally once my calf got loosened up the right way, I was able to come back and play. And it was the upper right part of my calf that, that it got me. And I'm pretty sure this is probably on the foot that he had a stretch fracture on. So you just got to yeah, maintenance right all foot. these. I mean, right yeah, yeah, yep. You got to make sure you maintenance all these little parts of your body, man. And these little, these little nook and crannies of injuries just come out of nowhere. So what's sooner than later with a calf strain? 
bro, honestly, once once that deal gets loosened up, he can play. But okay. right now, it's just it's probably it's a lot. And you hope so that not- there wasn't you ho- oh, would you also check this. You hope there wasn't a partial tear on the Achilles or calf. And it was just that the the strain, the locking up. Right. But once it loosens up, you no, feel no, like, no. yo, this is crazy. I get that. I get that. Because I've had that. I've had, I've had a, I don't know if it's calf strain, whatever it is, where it's just, it's locked. And then had somebody dig their fingers into it to get that knot out, to loosen mm-hmm. it up, and boom, I could move again. I've actually had that, had my hamstring taped up where it took the pressure off it and I was able to play. But I'm asking you from an NBA level, like, are we talking he could play Friday? He could play Sunday? Like, Yeah, he could play. If he, if he doesn't have a partial tear, he could play. Now, with a partial tear, what's tough is they may say, hey, you're not going to do any more damage than it's already done. And once we loosen up. Now, also, Rick, I want to throw this out. He may want to do some dry needling, but that'll take about a day to recover, which is really tough. Hmm. So they take a needle, they put it in that knot, your muscle locks up, and then once it releases, it lengthens back out. It hurts like heck. And when I say dry needle, yes, it's what it sounds, bro. There's a, a needle going in to your skin, into your body, and it's loosened up. The Warriors have the best of the best there as far as training. Yeah, so, yeah. like, we'll we'll see. But if it's not that Achilles, he can come back and play, man, if he gets it taken care of the correct way. All right, let's say, let's say worst-case scenario, KD doesn't play, doesn't play for – he's done for the season. You still have the Warriors winning it all. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. We shall see. That does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. We still have other games to be played. We'll give you some more playoff reaction. Portland versus Denver. We'll find out where that series is going next and we'll take a deep dive into the Kyrie Irving situation with the Boston Celtics and where did the Celtics go from here who do they put their money on that's in our next podcast all right wherever you get your podcast please rate us and if you send it to us a screenshot of it to at Buker friends then you'll be eligible to win some prizes and we can do something for you in the meantime for Ryan for myself As always, thanks for listening.